Amen. Great singing today. Give me a little more volume. Can you hear me out there under the tent? I see one hand waving. All right. They hear me out there. Great. Can you hear me under the tent? Why are you so quiet today? Is everyone quiet today? Look, I got a um, cooling cloth. So I'm going to wear that. And uh, it works. I got that. I got a Yeti to keep my my uh, drink nice and cold. So I am set today. And I want to thank those that got me these gifts. And uh, if I preach extra long today, you can thank those that got me these gifts. But I'm glad you're here today. Good crowd here today. Thank you for being here. And uh, next Sunday, our goal for you moms, our goal is to have our nursery uh, back open. So if you have children... Uh, three years old and below, the nurseries will be open already four through sixth grade, four-year-old through sixth grade. They're meeting in Building B, and so we're going to um, begin that prayerfully next week, so I hope that'll be a help, uh, especially to the moms, and um, uh, we hope that you'll take advantage of that. Acts chapter 21, Acts chapter 21, I'm going to give you just a few things here today. If uh, you would, pray for Twyla Archer. She was taken to the hospital this morning um, and uh, not quite sure what uh, is going on with her. They may need to admit her today. So just pray uh, for her. The Lord knows what's happening uh, there. I want you to pray for Doug Davison as well. I mentioned this last week, last couple weeks, but uh, he is going and getting his stem cell transplant. And this is a, an important procedure uh, for his cancer. So if you'll please pray for Doug and Mary Davison and their children. Uh, pray for that family, please. Also, uh, Carrie Rivera, uh, continue to pray for her. Is she here today? I got a text that she may be here. Is Carrie here? Carrie anywhere? They're pointing. There she is back there. So continue to pray for Carrie. And um, uh, she had surgery. They removed cancer and um, got a report uh, just this last week. So just continue to pray for her healing, her husband, as he's caring uh, for her during this time. And I know they would appreciate your prayers. Also, Scott Patterson, uh, continue to pray for him. His mother passed away last week, and the uh, funeral was this week. So pr please pray for Scott and his family. And then also uh, Gary Dodd as well. Uh, pray for him. He uh, uh, had a funeral. His wife passed, Leanne, last week. A funeral, I believe, was Monday. There's Gary right there. How you doing, Gary? It's good to see you today, and uh, we're praying for you, praying for your family. So please continue to pray uh, for Gary. His wife uh, got COVID um, and uh, passed away from that. So just please continue to pray. Also, uh, pray for Bonnie Nixon as well. Um, just the Lord to give her strength and be with uh, Dave Nixon and Michelle and the family uh, as they're caring for her. And I know there's many. You should. If you don't, we will send you, email you our prayer list each Friday. Uh, and it's full of people that still need our prayers. And uh, these are just a, a few that, um, uh, out of many that need our prayers. So please, please continue to pray. I am, uh, I tell you, I, I wrote a letter you should be receiving Monday or Tuesday this week. I am, I am tired of doing ministry in the middle of a pandemic. It's just, it's not normal. Five months now, we've not been able to make visits and get into hospitals and care for those uh, during their hardest, difficult seasons in their life. 
And just because we're going through something these last five months, it doesn't mean that others aren't having problems. We have people that have had surgeries and uh, just not going, being able to go and pray with people at their most hurting place in their life is difficult. It's a difficult way to minister. Just simply coming together once a week and, and uh, having church is just not the same. And so we'll continue to pray. And I want to make sure that you are being ministered to. And if there's a need that you have, if you'll please, please, please let us know so that we can help any way that we possibly can. I want to look at Acts chapter 21 today. Acts chapter 21. We're going to look at something today. We're going to look at where is your focus? What are you focusing on? Right now, during a pandemic, we could be focusing on the problems and the difficulties that it brings, or we can be focusing on Christ and his blessings. I know a lot of people, and I would have to say that I believe this as well, a lot of people believe that we are living in last days. We believe that Christ is coming again. We believe that any moment that Trump could sound, and as we sang even this last song today, that Trump is going to sound, and in one day, Christ is going to get his bride. And if you are a child of God, if you're saved, you're born again, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ is coming again. It could be before we even leave here today. The signs are all there. As you study uh, Bible prophecy, you see that, that uh, the things are in place. Jesus can come any moment. And I hope that you're ready. I hope that you're ready to, to, uh, to meet Christ. If you're saved, I hope you're living for him. If you're not, I pray today that you would trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. But many believe that it's coming, it's near. And again, I, I'd have to agree with that. But I want us to look today at our focus. What are we focusing on? Are we looking forward to the return of Christ or do we have our minds set on things of this world that discourage us, that get us defeated in our spirit? Do we look at the, the things that God is doing, the blessings that he is allowing us to have here today or are we looking at the things that are just going wrong in our life? What is your focus today? I want you to follow along with me, if you would, please, in verse number 17. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Now, remember, Paul is finishing up this second missionary journey. Paul's been jailed and Paul's been beaten. The gospel has gone forth. Paul has been in a flip, uh, 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 the Philippian jail and the uh, Philippian jailer has trusted Christ and, and uh, churches are established and people are being saved. The, the word of God is going throughout the known world. As a matter of fact, they said this of, of the disciples of Christ, that they've turned the world upside down, just simply preaching the truth of the gospel. And Paul was determined to get back to Jerusalem before Pentecost. And so Paul did everything he could. Now, remember, Paul's not able to get on airplanes and, and uh, travel fast. He's taking boats through the Mediterranean. They're, t they're stopping off on different ports. And Paul's doing everything he possibly can, knowing the date that he wants to get to Jerusalem. And last week we looked at, there were several people that were warning Paul that if you go to Jerusalem, there's going to be problems. Paul continued his journey, he gets to Jerusalem, and when he gets there, the Bible says they gladly received him. And those were the disciples, those that were followers of Christ. They received Paul, they were glad to see him. And, 
And look with me what happens. The day following, Paul went in with us unto James and all of the elders present. And when we had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. What he simply was doing is telling the apostles and the elders there in Jerusalem what God had done throughout this missionary journey that Paul was now finishing up. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are zealous of the law. So Paul is giving them the testimony of what God has done. They're rejoicing with Paul in this testimony. And they say this to Paul, Paul, I want you to remember, look at all these thousands of Jews that have trusted Christ. But then all of a sudden they begin to rejoice in that, but they also say this, they're zealous of the law. And they are informed in verse number 21 of thee. Or what that means is this, they've heard about you, Paul. And what they've heard isn't necessarily sitting well with them. Because this is what they're hearing, that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it, therefore? They're asking this question, what, what's the truth? Because the Jews are upset. There, there's thousands of them that have been saved, and they're hearing that you're teaching them not to follow after the customs, not to circumcise their children, not to follow after Moses' teaching, not to follow after the customs but to forsake all of those things. What is it, Paul? The multitude must needs come together for they will hear that thou art come. What he's saying is this, you can't hide, Paul. We're glad you're here. We're glad that God is blessed. We're glad of the report. But because the Jews that are saved now hear this about you, they're going to find out you're here. And Paul, there's gonna be problems. There's going to be questions. And so they have a solution. He says this, do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Take them, purify thyself with them, and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing. But thou thyself also walketh orderly and keepeth the law. He said, Paul, let's, let's put a plan together. Let's, let's have you get involved in this plan. If you'll take yourself and follow after the custom with these men, then what that's going to do is allow everyone to know what they've heard of you isn't true. That you do obey the law, that you, aren't, uh, wa- you haven't walked away from the Jewish customs. As teaching the Gentiles, which believe we have written and concluded that they observe such things, save only that which they, they keep themselves from the things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Then Paul took them in and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until the day of offering should be offered every one of them. Paul arrives in Jerusalem. Now stay with me, please, or you're, you'll miss this. Paul arrives in Jerusalem, and the following day, 
he meets with James, he meets with the elders. And Paul rehearses all that God has done during his missionary journey. And I want to say to you, church, that's the conversation, that's where the focus ought to be when the people of God gather together. It ought to be on what God is doing. It ought to be on, on what God has blessed and what God is accomplishing. He rehearses this and the result, and you see that they rejoice about how many thousands of Jews have received Christ. And also the Gentiles, what Paul is telling all the Gentiles that have received Christ, and they bring into focus all the Jews and Gentiles that now have received Christ. And there's great rejoicing taking place because they're focusing on what God is doing. There's a problem. There's a problem with Paul. There's a rumor that's going around about Paul that, that, has been told to the Jews. And that rumor that Paul is being accused of is that they ought to forsake Moses and forsake the law and not to circumcise their children or not to walk according to the customs that they've been taught. And we're in trouble now. They're, they're going to hear that you're here and they're going to have a problem now with Paul with you. Now, I want you to think about this. Their concern is that the believers that were Jews that fear what they're hearing about Paul, that their focus is going to be on that. Instead of their focus being on all that have been saved, all that God has done during this missionary journey, all that God is doing, the lives that have been changed, the churches that have been planted, all the things that these first couple verses, the elders there in Jerusalem and Paul and those that were on this trip with him, instead of concentrating and put their focus on what God is doing, what they're going to do is put their focus on something that is going to divide. Something that isn't necessarily even true. They put this plan together to show that Paul does observe the Jewish laws and and what they heard about Paul and his teaching isn't necessarily true. And as far as the Gentiles are concerned, they also simply need to abstain, the Bible says here, from, from things sacrificed to idols and from things that have the blood, eating that, that has blood in it, and uh, also Uh, not to eat meat that's been strangled, and then also to avoid sexual immorality. And what does Paul do? Paul doesn't argue with them. Paul doesn't take a stand here. What Paul does is he simply does as they've asked him to do. And he goes in and he behaves in such a way, he presents himself in the temple to show that he has observed the, the law and purification here. I want us to look at something this morning. I want you to look at what are you focusing on? Please, as I said, I know it's a little hot. I'm cool up here, so don't worry about that. But I know it's hot. I know there's some distractions. But I really believe if you'll allow the Spirit of God to help you with this today, you'll leave here helped. Because everyone in their life is focusing on something. Focusing on something. I talk to some that are going into surgery and they have the best surgeon there is around. 
And some will say, boy, I'm really excited that I have this surgeon that is going to do this surgery and he's the best in the business and I'm excited about that. Others may be having the same surgeon, having the same person, instead of focusing on the fact that he's the best surgeon and that they're going to have the best chance because of this, the talent and the ability of this surgeon, what they say is this, he doesn't have very good bedside manner. Well, I don't care if he's the rudest person in the world. If he can do the surgery the best, if he's in my brain or in my back or someplace else in my body, he doesn't have to talk to me at all. I'll listen and just do what he tells me to do. At times, people, their focus is on the wrong thing. I made the mistake one time. My wife made this delicious dinner. The steak was perfect. The mashed potatoes were perfect. Everything on the plate was perfect, but the green beans weren't done just like I like them. How's your dinner? Instead of saying, boy, this steak was just awesome and and the potatoes were done just right, I said this, I made the mistake. The green beans weren't done just like I like them. Has anyone ever done that? Your focus is on the wrong thing. Listen, it's human nature. If we're not careful, we put our focus on the things that don't really matter. Where there are people, I say this often, church, there's what? There's problems. Where there are people, there's always going to be problems. In every place you find people, you know what you're going to find? The potential for problems. How about those that are in love and they get married and, and boy, they can't wait to get married and, and what a wonderful thing marriage is when you're dating and, and uh, you find that person you're going to spend the rest of your life with and not a problem, not a concern. You get married in a few weeks or a few months into that marriage, you think to yourself, I can't believe what this person has done. They're a slob. They snore. They just leave things laying around. They're rude. They're this or they're that. And, and, and where there are people, there's always a potential for problems. Always. You mark it down. The church is no different. And we see that here in chapter number 21. The great church of Jerusalem. Think about it. This is where Pentecost happened, where, where uh, uh, Peter got up and preached and 3,000 souls were saved. This is the church in Jerusalem. This is where the apostles themselves, those that followed Jesus and were ministering with Jesus, they saw the miracles take place. They saw Jesus in the flesh. They learned at his feet. And, and uh, this is where the apostles preach. This is where James is pastoring. This is the, the place where if you wanted to know the place, the exact place where the cross was, where Jesus was crucified, there's people there that could say, let me take you to this place. If you wanted to see the empty tomb, they could take you to the exact place in Jerusalem where our Savior was laid and where there's no more body. They can rejoice in the resurrected uh, body of Jesus Christ. This is the people here at Jerusalem. What a place and what a church. But even in the best of places, there's still people. And where there's people, there's still problems. And where there's people, we can get our focus on the wrong thing. And I want you to see, first of all, would you write this down, please, in your heart someplace, where the focus should be as the believer. Where your focus should be 
as a believer. Because it's one thing to say where your focus should not be. I think what we ought to all learn is where our focus ought to be. I want you to see again in verse number 17, the Bible says, and when they were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. They received them gladly. There was great joy there when Paul was coming in. In verse number 19, the Bible tells us again, and when they had uh, saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by the ministry, praise and thanksgiving to God. That's where our focus ought to be. When Paul gathers together he and those that were on this missionary journey gathers himself together with the church here and the elders and James here at Jerusalem I want you to see their focus was on the promises and the praises of God their focus was on thanksgiving their focus was on sharing the things that God has done that's where the believers focus should be now all of us here today we've gathered all of us probably have talked to someone or, or uh, conversed with someone on the way to church or you woke up with someone in your home this morning or you got here and you began to uh, talk about things. I want to ask you today, where has your focus been today? When you woke up this morning next to your spouse, what was your focus on? When you gathered with God's people today, what are you thinking about? What are you talking about? Where is your heart? Where is your focus today? Is it upon praising God? Is it upon thanksgiving for what God has done this past week? Is it on sharing the things that God has done? Last evening, I had a conversation with someone for about an hour, and they were telling me that, that uh, back in March, they, they had a, a, a small seizure, and, and it really messed a lot of things up. They weren't able to, to work like normal. They weren't able to drive for a period of time. And, and I was listening to this testimony. And as they got deeper into this testimony, they began to tell me that, that they weren't going to let that discourage them. So they began to invite people from work and, and others to a Bible study that he began to have in his house on Tuesday evening. And, and 12 or so men now are meeting at that Bible study. And he said that three of those men have, have now trusted Christ as their Savior. He said, Pastor, they want to be baptized. Can we baptize them? And I tell you, for that entire conversation, we were talking about what God is doing in the middle of a pandemic. We're talking about people being saved and lives being changed. He was telling me a, a testimony of, of one of the men that, that had missed work. And, and he found out the following day that he had tried to commit suicide because of just the pressures of this pandemic and the problems in his home. And that next day, when he came to meet with him, instead of uh, uh, taking his life the previous day, he got saved that day and trusted Christ as his savior. What a wonderful thing it is when we focus on the right things. We find here in verse number 20, there was rejoicing in the fact that many had received Christ as their savior. And I've thought about this as we go through life and, and we're, we're, we're flooded with fear and emotion and in, in difficulties and we look at the situation of this world and we're looking at that just uh, uh, things all around us and, and the pain and the suffering, I want you to know that people are still trusting Christ as their Savior. People are still being saved. Lives are still being changed in church. That ought to be where our focus is, that people are still trusting Christ as their Savior. 
Boy, that ought to excite us when we hear a story of someone that, that was uh, dead and trespasses in sin, that if they would have died that moment, they would have spent an eternity apart from God, paying their own sin debt in the place the Bible calls hell, but instead they've received Christ as your Savior, and now from that day forward, they are going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing that is for the church to rejoice in. Oh, church, I pray that our focus is right. I pray that as the church here, as they're focusing on what God is doing, I pray the same would be about us. We as believers should be focusing about the Lord, focusing on his goodness, singing and rejoicing and worshiping and, and rejoicing in our conversation what a day it is when Jesus Christ is still in control and he's still on the throne and he's still involved in the affairs of mankind and nothing in this world has caught him by surprise and his blood still saves and he still forgives. And what a wonderful thing it is for the church, for the Christian believer to rejoice in what God is doing. He's using you, he's using me to get the gospel out, to be a, a blessing to other people. What a wonderful thing that is. Look with me in verse number 30. The Bible says, when they heard it. You know what that tells me? That someone had to say it in order for them to hear it. Now, don't miss that. Sometimes we read through the Bible, I'm afraid we skip over some of the most basic things. When they heard it. That means someone had to say it. You don't hear it unless someone speaks it. When they heard it, they, they glorified the Lord. Listen, what that tells me is this. There were people that glorified the Lord because someone was speaking about the Lord. Are you speaking about the Lord today? You know how you can encourage and help someone in their focus by you speaking what God is doing in your life, by you rehearsing in the ears of others what God has done. What you say matters. Have you ever, I want to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been discouraged by what someone has said? How many of you, you had a great day until you talked to someone else? You woke up on the right side of the bed, but your spouse didn't. How many of you have said, you know what? I was having a good day until I talked to you. Everything was well until you got to work and somebody was being critical or, or you heard something. There's times you hear things. I, I heard something this past week and, and boy, as soon as I heard it, it, it just, it got my attention. It, it changed my mood. But you know what happened here? Paul and those that were with Paul and the elders that there were in Jerusalem, they began to speak and rehearse all that God had done. And those that heard it began to glorify God. Their attitude and their spirit became Christ honoring, became about the Lord. What you say matters, Christian. What you say matters to others. Oh, listen to me, we're living in difficult days. We're living in such critical times and there's so much that can divide us. There's so much that we can fight about. But I believe this, whether it's on social media or at work or at lunch or in your neighborhood or even in your own home, what you say matters. 
Are you speaking about God and all that he is doing? Are you testifying of what he's doing in your life? Are you speaking about his blessings? Are you encouraging those around you because of what God is doing in your life and you're willing to share it with other people? What did you come with today? What is on your lips? Are you deciding today that you are going to be an encourager? Listen to me, every, every spouse here today, you know how you can encourage your family? You know how you can encourage your, your, your husband or your wife? By what you say. What we focus on, what we focus on is what comes out of our mouth because what we focus on is what our heart is focusing on and what you're thinking about and what you're doing and what you're focusing on is either going to encourage someone today or discourage someone today. Your words should cause others to see the greatness of God. Please don't miss that. Please don't miss this. Listen to me, there's so much division. There's so many problems. There's so much hurt. I'm not minimizing the pain that people are going through. There's, there's people in our church that, that this pandemic has, has taken their life and this virus, now they've been to funerals and I think of Artie and her mother and, and the Dodd family. And, and listen to me, I'm not saying that these things aren't real. I know there's people that have lost their jobs. I, I know there's people that are concerned, but what I'm saying today is this, what we put our focus on is going to determine our praise. Your words should cause others to see the greatness of God. I want you to see here in verse number 19, there's a word that I want us to take note of. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly. You know what? That was done on purpose. It was something particular he wanted to discuss. Now, Paul could have discussed a lot. Paul could have said, you know what, I went to Philippi and, and, and those, those mean people, boy, those people, they didn't want to hear the gospel and they threw me in jail. They beat me and threw me in jail and they thought I was going to die. He could have talked about those that, that he'd witnessed to that didn't receive the gospel. He could have talked about the pain and the suffering that they came to. They could have talked about the, the, the time that the people came and wanted to kill him. They had to put him over the wall through a basket to, to let, him, let him down over that wall so he could escape. There was a lot of things that Paul could have talked about. Paul could have said, you know, those that we went to start churches at, there were so many that refused to hear. You could have seen Paul here talking negative about the Jews that, that sought to kill him. But Paul chose to talk about something particular. It was how good God is. It was about God's faithfulness. It's about those that trusted Christ. He declared on purpose, who God is and what God is doing. They kept, they kept the conversation and the focus of it on the Lord. Now listen to me today. This is not just, well, when we come to church, this is church talk. We'll keep our conversation on the Lord when we get to church, but when we leave, all bets are off. 
No, this is something that we as believers ought to have in our heart and our life all the time. This ought to be what we speak about. Listen, there's always going to be someone that's hurt you. There's always going to be someone that's disappointed you. There's always going to be a situation in your life that if you want to focus on it, it can get you discouraged and it can get you down and it can get you anxious and it can get your focus off the things of the Lord. If you want problems, there's always going to be a problem. If you want difficulty and focus on that, listen to me. There's always going to be something to complain about. There's always going to be someone to be critical about. There's always going to be someone that you're discouraged with. But I want you to know this. If you keep your focus right and the focus on the things of the Lord, what you're going to also find is there's always something that you can have joy in. There's always someone that you can find strength in. There's always someone that you can turn to in times of difficulty that's going to stick closer to you than a brother. There's always going to be someone that will never leave you nor forsake you. There's always going to be someone that makes all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. There's always going to be someone that if you want joy and you want to focus on the right things, there's always going to be Jesus. And that's where our focus ought to be. Oh, listen to me, there's always much to be thankful for. There's always something that your spirit can rejoice in. A few weeks ago, now last week it wasn't a problem, but a few weeks ago, I, boy, I was up here and I was just preaching my heart out and sweating like crazy. And I had so many people that week say, boy, pastor, we felt so bad for you. And I could have focused on, it's hot. I'll tell you, it would have been a lot easier just to put that camera back inside in the air conditioning and just tell you, stay home. I didn't sweat it off for a few weeks there. But I love being with God's people. I love seeing your faces. I love watching you sing. I I know we've got kids that are running around. I like it. I like it when the kids run around. I like it when there's life in our church. I like it when God's people come together and rejoice. I like it when I hear that God's still working. I like it when I hear that people are still being saved. I like it when I hear that people are still seeking the Lord. I like it when I hear that there's situations and problems, but God has overcome. I like it when I hear saints coming together and rejoicing and with great joy and being thankful. That ought to be what our focus is upon, church. When the Lord is praised. When the focus is on the Lord, the people rejoiced. What is our conversation today? Let me ask you the question, what's your conversation today? What are you talking about today? Who are you encouraging with what God is doing in your life? What is your focus on? Husbands, what are you talking about with your wives? Wives, what are you talking about with your husbands? Is it encouraging? Is it about the Lord? 
oh, there's things that if I wanted to, I could take to my wife and I could tell her all kinds of bad news. When I choose, I choose not to. I want to talk about the Lord. I want you to see where the focus of the believer should be. Now I want you to see, secondly and lastly, I want you to see where the focus of the believer should not be. Please pay close attention here, if you would, please. In verse number 21, And they informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. I like how the Bible phrases this. It says this, and they are informed of thee. You know what that means? They heard a rumor about you. You know where our focus cannot be as believers? Rumors, gossip, critical spirits. After all the, the praise and the blessing, their attitudes changed when they began to discuss the rumors. It was, what is God doing? What a wonderful thing. People are being saved by the thousands. What a wonderful thing. God has done a miraculous work. What a wonderful thing. And then the focus got to on, you know what? I, I want to talk to you about something though, Paul. You know what they're saying? You know what's being said of you, Paul? After all the things that they rehearsed, after all the things that they're there to be thankful for, of all the people being saved, Paul, there's rumors going around. And there's gossip. There's a critical spirit. Notice with me that the conversation changes from God and all that he has done to how are we going to appease man and dispel these rumors. These first several verses from verse 17 down to verse 20, it was all about God. It was all about what God was doing. It was all about people that were being saved. It was all about God's blessing. It was all about thanksgiving. It was all about praises. But as soon as verse number 21 came along and it began to shift focus from God, God's not even mentioned any longer. He's not even talked about. No longer are we discussing what God has done and no longer are we discussing what God is doing. No longer are we talking about Jesus, the Messiah and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about man. I want to ask you this, how's that going to fix anything? They're saying now, what are we going to do to fix this problem? How can we calm them down? Our focus should not be on rumors, should not be on gossip, should not be on a critical thinking or critical spirit. Our focus must be centered upon Christ. And then I want you to see something here. Because their focus is on man in these rumors, their focus turns to fear. What are we going to do, Paul? Well, look what he says. What is it there for? The multitude, in verse number 22, must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. We're afraid, Paul. What are we going to do? When the believers come and they want to deal with this problem, 
their, their focus turned from what God was doing to fear. What are we going to do now? Oh, listen to me. This is a dangerous place for the believer to be because God did not give us a spirit of fear. God does not want a Christian to go around fearing man and fearing what might be and fearing what might come. Our focus has to be upon God and that he is in control. And oh, listen to me, you might be in a situation right now because of things that you've heard or things that you are going through. And I want you to know that that spirit of fear is not of God, but you can trust in God. You can have hope in him. He will not fail you. Trust him. Fear always distracts us from faith. And listen to me, Christian, we are called to live a life of faith. And fear will always distract us from faith. Satan wants you to put your eyes upon what might happen. The worst case scenario, we got to deal with this. And the conversation stopped being about God and it started being about man. Listen to me. God is still in control. Listen to me, Christian. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Man cannot hurt you. Man cannot harm you. God's hand is upon you. And hear me today. Trust him. You don't have to look far to find a problem, do you? As long as people are included, problems are always going to be present. You don't have to look far. Because of the world we live in, problems are always going to be present. But what we must do is we must determine to keep our focus on God and what he's doing. You say, well, this circumstance just doesn't seem right. God is still at work. I, I don't know what I'm hearing from man. It seems a little bit fearful. God is still at work. I, I don't know. It just seems like this world is spiraling out of control. I want you to know something. God is still at work. Oh, it seems like man is just uh, turning farther and farther from God. That may be true, but there are men and women and boys and girls that today in this world all around us are still receiving Christ as their Savior. He's still changing lives. He's still saving souls. He's still on the throne. Let's keep our focus on him. We must determine to keep our focus on God and what he's doing. If not, what I find here in this passage of Scripture, the external becomes more important than the internal. What we do on the outside becomes more important than who we are on the inside. Number two, conformity becomes the goal, not being spirit-filled. I had a conversation with someone this week. And listen to me, Christian, it's not about you looking like someone or behaving like someone that that makes you spiritual. It's you being filled with the Spirit of God, being yielded to Him, walking with the Spirit of God, controlling your mind and your heart and your actions. That's what spirituality is. Here we find that the Jews are upset because they want to make 
the outward, the, the, the circumcision and the customs and, and, and all of that. Now, that's fine. We, we would trust Christ as our Messiah, but we don't want to give up anything religious. And I'm afraid too often we believe that if you conform to what we want you to be, then you can be spiritual. We've come to realize this, I pray, that only by the Spirit of God, only being filled with the Spirit, only being led by the Spirit, can one be what God desires for you to be. I find this in this passage of Scripture as well. Traditions interfere with the growth of the believer. The Jews here weren't concerned about them growing in, 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 in the word and growing closer to Christ. They were concerned about tradition. Don't mess with tradition. Don't mess with religious activity. And hear me, so often if we're not careful, we can go through the motions, we can go through traditions, we can go through religious activity and think that that's what God's after and it starves us from the growth that he's truly after. There was nothing wrong with circumcision. There was nothing wrong in itself of these customs. But when they put that above Christ, when you put that above seeking the Lord, when you put that above focusing upon God and his word and his blessings, when that causes you to be critical, there's a problem, Christian. There's a problem when we become busy pleasing man instead of being focused on the teaching of God's word. Church, my question to us today is this. What are we focusing on? What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on in your church? What are you focusing on in your home? What are you focusing on at work? What are you focusing on in your marriage? What are you focusing on in your family? Because if you want something critical, you'll find it. If you want to be upset with someone, you'll find it. If you want to go to work every day and hate what you're doing, it's going to be easy. If you want to dislike everyone you're working with, guess what? It won't be that hard. If you want to find fault in your spouse, you don't have to wait too long. Children, if you want to be upset with your parents, it's not going to take much. If you want to get angry with God, listen to me, there's going to be things if your focus is not right, it'll get you distracted and get you off course and get you to fear and get you to complain and get you to believe rumors and get you to believe gossip or you can decide today that my focus is gonna be upon God. My focus is gonna be upon praising Him. My focus is gonna be upon thanksgiving. My focus is gonna be upon what matters and what matters is that God is to be praised and Jesus Christ is worthy that He came to this earth he died on the cross. He paid my sin debt. And one day, I'm going to heaven when I die. That's what our focus ought to be on, church. What are you your focus on? Is it upon God? Or is it upon man? And that's going to determine your conversation. 
And that's going to determine your outcome. Father, help us today. Lord, if we've come here today and there's something that's distracting us from what you're doing in our life, Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would reveal that to us. Lord, may we seek forgiveness where we focus upon you. Lord, I first pray for the believer today that maybe is having an issue in their marriage. I'm praying for the family that there's tension in their home. Lord, I'm, I'm praying for the one that's struggling at work, struggling in that friendship. There's something broken. There's something not right. There's a situation, Lord, that's causing them to have anxiety and fear because their focus isn't on you. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd reveal that to us now. Give us the strength and give us the ability and give us the mind and the heart to be able to focus. May every thought we have become captive in Christ. So Lord, I pray that the one that's discouraged today, take their mind off that discouragement and put their mind upon you. The one that's living in fear today, may they take their mind off that circumstance and may they put their mind upon you in your throne room, in your goodness, in your grace, in your love and your mercy. Lord, the one that's fearing tomorrow, Lord, may they look back and see that you are God that blessed us yesterday, that are blessing us today and that you will be in control tomorrow of all things. Lord, may that be our focus. And Lord, I'm praying now for that one that is putting their faith in something other than Jesus Christ. Maybe it's religion, maybe it's a church, maybe it's in good works. But Lord, their focus is not on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's on something other than him. Convict them, I pray. Show them the need of Jesus Christ as their Savior. And oh, I pray they trust you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I just want to have a time of invitation. An opportunity for you to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing in your heart. Would you ask yourself right now, where's my focus? What, 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 what was my conversation this past week? Was it on the negative? Was it on the critical? Was it on the rumors? Was it on the gossip? Was it upon those things that caused fear? Or is it upon Christ? Upon that rock? Upon Calvary? upon the empty tomb, upon the Jesus Christ, one day is coming again. Is that your conversation? Because your conversation reveal to you where your focus is. Christian, where's your focus? 
I wonder how many here under the tent, outside that tent would say this, my focus has not been on what it should be. It's been on fear. I've been concerned. I've been anxious. I've been critical. My, my mind is not established upon Christ and him alone. I've brought things into my marriage, conversation that is not uplifting and encouraging, but it's been critical and it's been hurtful. I brought things into parenting that has not been encouraging and challenging for Christ, but it's been hurtful and critical. I, I've said things to my parents that aren't edifying and honoring. My focus is wrong. My focus has been on me. And I need to make it about Christ. Christian, I wonder how many would say this today. My focus needs to be different. I want this week to be different than this past week. I want today to be different than yesterday. I want from this point forward for my focus to be upon Christ. I want to occupy till he comes. I want to be encouraged. I want to tell others about Jesus. I, I want to rejoice in his goodness. I want his blessings. And I want to speak about that. Would you answer that in your heart? I want to talk to that one that maybe isn't saved today. I want to talk to that one that is putting their hope in eternity in religion, in good works, in what you can do. Now I want to introduce you now to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven to come to this earth to pay your sin debt. The Bible says that you were born in trespasses and sin. You are a sinner separated from God. The Bible says, for all have sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For God commended or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. See, man can know what eternity looks like because of Jesus Christ. You don't have to guess and you don't have to wonder and you don't have to helplessly hope you can know for sure. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, the Bible tells us. Will you receive Christ today? Will you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your savior? Will you believe in your heart that he went to the cross, he paid your sin debt, he died for you. Will you repent of that sin and turn to Christ today? Believe that he was placed in that tomb and three days later he rose again from the dead, conquering death, conquering hell, and offering you everlasting life. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no religion, no church, no good works, no amount of money, nothing that man can do. Jesus Christ did it all. 
Will you receive it today? Say, what do I do? You could pray this prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And save me. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Give me eternal life. I believe that you died. I believe you shed your blood on that cross. And I believe that that shed blood is the payment for my sin debt. I believe that you were placed in that grave and you rose again from the dead. I believe that in right now, I repent of my sin and I accept Jesus Christ as my savior. Would you pray that? Do you trust Christ as your savior today? The words of that prayer won't save you. My prayer can't save you, but if you're sincere in praying that prayer to God, the Bible says that you can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever, that's you. Doesn't matter how much sin you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter your last name. It doesn't matter what your parents have done. It doesn't matter anything. What matters is if you would come to God with a repentant heart, accepting that free gift that Jesus Christ offers you for the cross and through the grave. If you'll do that today, the Bible says that you will become a child of God. I wonder if there's one today that you'd say this. I prayed that prayer. No one's going to embarrass you. I promise you. I just want to pray with you. I want to rejoice with you as Paul did with James and these elders. I want to rejoice that God is still saving souls. You're not here by mistake today. You're here by divine appointment to hear the message of salvation. And we want to rejoice with you today because you have made the most important decision in your life. How many of you would say this? I prayed that prayer and I trust Christ as my savior today. Would you raise your hand? I wanna pray with you. Is there anybody at all? Anyone at all? Inside the tent, outside the tent? I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Christian, how many of you would say this? My focus needs to be right. This week, I'm gonna determine that with the help of the Spirit of God, with the help from God's Word, the encouragement from, from the Spirit of God, and maybe even the conviction of the Spirit of God, I am going to focus on the right things this week. In my marriage, at my, in my home, at my work, in my church, my focus is going to be upon God. If that's you today, would you just simply say amen to that? Would you say amen? A few of you, how many of you would say my focus is gonna be right? Let's lift our voices up and let's say amen. Would you say amen with me? Amen. Let's all stand together. I wanna to introduce you, if you would please, to the Ikepa family. They're going to come today and they're gonna unite with our church. This is Christian and Elizabeth Ikepa. And they are coming to unite with our church. Or also, they will be working here in our ministry. Christian is going to be teaching. Come on up, guys. There are, Christian's going to be teaching uh, in our academy. He's going to be teaching Bible. 
and he's also going to be working with uh, Chris Cox in our youth ministry as well. You can just come right down here. I won't make you come all the way up. And uh, Elizabeth is going to be working in our school office uh, in the mornings, and then she will be working uh, as my secretary in the church office in the afternoon. And so they would like to come and unite with our church. I figured if they're going to work, they probably ought to be church members. Wouldn't that be a good thing? So all those in favor of Christian and Elizabeth, say Ikeepa with me. Ikeepa. How many of you know their name? Ikeepa. Say it. Ikeepa. Yeah, how many of you think that's a pretty different name? Yeah. Christian, his family is from Peru, and Elizabeth's family is from Mexico. And um, so if you want a good Peruvian dish or a Mexican dish, we took them a couple times to a, a restaurant, a uh, Mexican restaurant, and Elizabeth says to me, that's not good. That's not good. But she's yet to show me what good Mexican food is, but... Uh, she said, that's not good. So I'm glad they're here. I'm excited the Lord's added them to our team. And all those in favor of them becoming members of our church, would you signify with an amen? Amen. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this family, Lord, that's come. Lord, thank you for adding to our team, Lord, uh, in the academy and in our church so that we could better glorify you and serve you. I thank you for their leadership and their willingness to follow you. Lord, thank you for our church. Lord, our, our church for five months, it's been different. Lord, we've been online, we've been in the parking lot, we've been under this tent. Lord, if we're not careful, we can look at what's happening in this world and the circumstances of it, and we can lose our focus. We can get our eyes on off the soul that was saved today, the souls that were saved two weeks ago under this tent, those that were saved through Bible studies that are taking place, the marriages, Lord, that you've re restored, the healing, Lord, that you've given to so many, the blessings, Lord, that you've given to us, Salvation, Lord, that you've promised us. Lord, if we're not careful, we can just get complaining, get fearful. But Holy Spirit of God, I pray that our focus would be upon Christ, the solid rock we, we stand upon him. May we be led by the Spirit of God. May our hope be in you. And Lord, I pray as your word says, come quickly, Lord. But until then, we've got work to do. Lord, there's a community that needs Jesus Christ. Lord, there's people that don't know Jesus. And if they step out into eternity today, their fate is sealed. So, God, I pray that you would get our focus on you. Lord, there's marriages here today that are hurting because their focus isn't on right. Lord, there's husbands that need to step up and be led by your spirit that need to lead their families. 
Lord, there's ladies, there's women that need to be filled with your spirit. There's children that need to honor their parents. Lord, none of this is possible in our flesh. And we see where flesh gets us. So Spirit of God, lead us, guide us, convict us. Help us to be what you desire us to be. May we be filled with your spirit today and this week. May our focus be upon praises and thanksgiving, upon who you are, your blessings. May they be upon Christ, the salvation he's given to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave, I want to encourage you with this next week. We, um, we ordered, it's going to be very different. And so I pray that you understand this. The other thing that we haven't done as a church in over five months is we haven't had the Lord's table. We haven't had communion. Obviously online we didn't, in the parking lot we didn't, and in the tent. We have ordered some communion um, wafers and cups. Now, I don't want anybody to get upset and say, well, it's not how we normally do it. We may have to do things a little bit different because of the pandemic and because we're outside. What we ordered, we're on back order, and so they're supposed to be here this week. And so what I'm hoping next Sunday we're able to do is have communion. We're going to give you, we haven't figured out how we're going to get this all done, but we're going to give you a cup, and in that cup, it's going to have, a, have the juice and have the wafer all in one. And so nobody's going to have to touch anything or pour anything. Um, and so I hear it tastes real bad, but that's all right. That's all right. The, the reviews of them aren't very good, um, but that's okay. We're not doing it for the taste. We're doing it to remember Jesus Christ. And so our hope next week, as long as everything arrives properly, um, we're going to have the Lord's table. I've never done it like this, so we'll see what happens. And so I want to encourage you to be out next week as we gather around the bread and the juice and remember what the Lord did for us. All right? I'm glad you're here today. And uh, I'm glad that we've worshiped together. And I hope the Spirit of God has spoken to you. Dale, it's good to see you and your wife. And uh, your daughter. We know your daughter, though, huh? It's good to have your parents here with us today. And I know there's others that are visiting. And we're glad that you're here. Pray for the Dodd family, if you would, please. The passing of his dear wife this past week. And if you think about it, reach out to Scott Patterson as well, as they um, buried his mother this past week as well. All right. Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Have a great day.